What's up, people? We are back with another episode of the No Bull Podcast. It is an anniversary episode. It is number 10. I am Alex Newts, one of your co-hosts, alongside Josh Copeland, the other co-host of this awesome show. We are joined tonight by a very, very special guest. Her name is Nicole Murphy. She is from Arkansas City. She is a two-time Big Ten champ. She is an All-American, and she went to the Olympic trials for Javelin. We are super honored to have her, uh, have her here to share her story tonight. I would love to keep talking, but I'm sure she's going to do a much better job. So, Nicole, welcome to the Noble Podcast. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> was, that, was that a good intro? Did I, that did I was, cover most of it, right? Yes, that was perfect. All right. You rocked good, good, it. Good, good, good. You rocked love it. That, love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he always does great at the intro. That's why I let him do that. But, no, Nicole, thank you for joining us. Um, we met, uh, like, what, a week and a half ago when I spoke at, at your college. First of all, you have an amazing college and the support there is phenomenal. So I was really blown away in that little small town in the middle of nowhere that y'all have so much support. Yes, <laughs> it's actually you. a beautiful campus. So um, so yeah, I, uh, one of our mutual friends, Liz, introduced us after I spoke and, and I heard a little bit about your story. I said, like, oh, we got to get her on the show. This is going to be good. This is, you're going to have a lot to offer our audience and just to get into the mindset of somebody who was so successful uh, in their sport like you were. So I'm excited to kind of jump into this. Uh, so talk a little bit about about growing up in, in Arc City and, and how was that? And then kind of what led you, did you play other sports? What led you kind of, why'd you gravitate towards track? Um, well, so growing up, I was your typical little tomboy sister. I followed my brother everywhere. Um, so I really wanted to play all the boys sports instead of the girl sports. Um, so I was out on the football field with all the boys and um, kind of making them look bad. That's what I like to say. <laughs> but um, I don't really know how true that was. Um, but I, you know, I just wanted to follow him. And when he got started in first grade with Little League, I was a little bummed because I wasn't old enough yet. But when I got to first grade and could start sports, um, my mom kind of just put me into everything. Um, she, we grew up with a single mom um, who took care of us and she worked her butt off and she's a rock star um, still to this day she's killing it, but, um, she put us in everything that she could and our schedule was crazy hectic. Um, but it was mostly just to keep us out of trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, you know how that goes. So, yeah. I mean, but we, I, I would say when we were younger, we were just, we we're just crazy good at everything, like throwing a ball, you know, running everything that, you know, all the little like first indicators of, oh, you're going to be a good athlete. I think right. our parent, like my mom and my grandparents really um, grabbed onto that and were like, okay, you guys are going into sports. So our lives were hectic. Um, we were three sport athletes year round. Um, I did volleyball, competitive cheerleading and softball my entire life. Um, and then I didn't actually pick up the javelin until I was a junior in high school. Wow. So I'm still really new in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Wow. So no, how just, did? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, bro. I was gonna say because, like, I mean, somewhat I can relate. I didn't, you know, start playing football until I was a sophomore in high school. So what? Uh, like, was it like the like the javelin coach? Like, was it like the track coaches that kind of reached out to you and thought like you'd be good at it, or like was there something that drew you into it? What kind of like you know made you switch paths into uh, the track and field? Um, so it's kind of a long story. Um, I kind of was butting heads with one of my teammates and actually got challenged by my coach at the time, um, you know, about winning a, a state champ on the track team if I made the switch. So um, I switched to the track and field team and won a state title. Um, Damn. So it started as like friendly banter, and then next thing you know, you're like, hold my beer, let me win the state title. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it went. So um, actually, the javelin coach was my brother's safety coach um, at the high school. And so he was a really good family friend, um, near and dear to my heart. And he just like took me under his wing and said, hey, I know you can throw the crap out of a softball. So we're going to try javelin. And I think the first day at practice, I only threw it like 70 feet, which is, it's not the worst, but it's also not the best. And he's like, okay, that's a good start. We got some work to do, but we're going to kick ass in the next couple of years. And that's really what happened. So um, it translated well from um, softball, you know, like with how to use your legs and how to have a quick release, but also an outfield, how to have like a long um, like throwing patterns so that you can build up momentum and then kind of like slingshot it. So it really worked out perfectly. Like it was never on my radar to go to college for track and field. Um, I thought I was going to go for softball or, you know, acrobatics and tumbling or even cheer. It was never track and field, but now, God has a way of making things happen. So yeah, no, absolutely. Now correct me if I'm wrong. And also, one other question, because a lot of our listeners probably don't know much about javelin. So okay. I guess two-part question. One, you said 70 feet for your first toss, but it wasn't that far. So tell them, like, what is, like, a good toss, I guess? And then secondly, isn't, like, javelin, like, illegal in some states? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when I was graduating high school, there was only eight, eight or 13 states that it was legal in, Kansas being Ooh. one of those. So... Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, the recruiting process is actually pretty um, fun for me because there's not a lot of javelin throwers out there and there's not a lot of javelin throwers out there that are throwing like 150, 60 feet in high school. So um, it was really fun. And then the other part, what was the other part you asked? Sorry. Yeah, I was just asking, like, yeah, like, what is, like, you know, like, a good, oh. you know, like, good throw, average throw, really good throw, Olympic-level throwing? Right. Um. So, in high school, if, I mean, you're getting recruited if you're throwing, and it kind of depends on what level you're looking at, but I was throwing right around, um, when I was finishing high school, right around 160, 65 feet, which is actually a really good throw. Um, mm -hmm. That's that can place you at some D1 meets, you know? Um, and then if you move up from there, um, I think my PR is of 56 meters and something. My coach could tell you, um, I'm not really good at holding on to those numbers, but <laughs> it's 56 meters. So it was right around like 190 feet. 
And then um, Olympic standard is um, right into like the 200s. So that's right around like 61 or 62 meters. Okay. Hmm. So, so you yeah. went, so you went from never throwing a javelin to junior year throwing it, throwing about 70 feet and then going out your senior year and throwing like 160. Yeah. So my first year, my, well, my first throw my junior year was like 70. I think I ended my first year and probably like the one, I, I want to say around the, like the one forties. Um, we made some good progress on my, on my technique. So it helped a lot with my throw. And then my senior years when I was up around like the one sixties, one seventies. So you're just dropping so you, bombs. Just dropping yes. bombs, bro. Just, yes. just, just <laughs> launching the hell out of that thing. So, you ever so want to play how, catch with the spear? Hit me up. <laughs> oh, man, listen. I, I would throw my shoulder out trying to do all that. My shoulder would not line up. But so you, you uh, obviously you had a great high school career. Um, you were what, Wendy's High School Heisman? Um, you was um, so just like yeah, all American, that. all that. Yeah, so you, you had a great <laughs> high school career for only playing, doing it for like two years. Um, so what was recruiting like and what led you to uh, Minnesota? The recruiting process was fun. I feel like I missed a lot of school looking back on it. Um, I think I was gone every weekend almost. Um, that's probably an over-exaggeration, but um, yeah, it was fun. I was recruited by... Um, you know, some, a handful of D1s. I really took or worked really hard with my mom because I wasn't trying to wait on the colleges to come to me. I knew that my marks were pretty good and my mom was doing some major research on her own. So she's like, sis, you're throwing this and this would have placed this at the Big Ten meet and this would have placed this at the SEC meet. So um, she was really looking out for me and, um, I remember there were a couple weekends where we sat down and made like some standard emails and, um, you know, had all my statistics and everything in it. We sent those out to a bunch of coaches. Like we just went on all these websites, filled out the questionnaires, and then coaches just started replying like left and right. So I kind of got to play my own little game, got to choose where I wanted to go and not have someone like, you know, not have to only have a couple options I really got to lead people out as I had conversations with the coaches um got to go on visits and everything so it was a good time and I landed at Minnesota um I went to Illinois Nebraska and Minnesota so all big 10 duh um (laughs) (laughs) and when I went to Minnesota I just remember that I was there and I was hanging out with people or some of my teammates who would be there when I got there. And that's one big thing I remember about going to Nebraska is I am a 17 year old who is hanging out with fourth year seniors and fifth year seniors who would not be there. So I didn't really get to interact with anybody who was younger and, um, you know, their priorities were like, we have this facility and we have this facility. And I was like, look, if I'm moving this far away from home, I don't care about the facilities. Um, I want to be in a place where I feel like I'm at home, um, that I have like my 
my support system away from home as well. And then my dad's family actually lives up there. So it helped to know um, that I wouldn't be up there by myself. So that's how I ended up Minnesota. The coach that recruited me was amazing. Um, love her so much. And she ended up leaving right before I was um, to report to campus. So I had a completely different coach when I got there, but it was still a good experience. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, which is always weird because obviously, yeah, like college, there's so much turnover in college coaching and people leaving mm. and going here and stuff like that. So yeah, you never really know what you're gonna get. Mm. Um, now, you you had mentioned that um, you know you were raised by a single mother who did an, an incredible job, um, and obviously, I mean, we can tell like you seem like an absolutely incredible person. Um, did. Did her being a single mother ever, like, did you feel extra pressure to, like, get a free ride and really, like, earn a scholarship? Like, what, what did that kind of, like, experience, like, you know, do to you mentally? Yeah, I would, I mean, that was always, like, a driver. We talked a lot about that. She gave so much to us and sacrificed so much um, that, like, even right now, she's just living her best life, and I love just being a part of it because I know um, just how much she sacrificed for us growing up, but I really wanted to see or get the most out of going to college just because my brother at the time, um, who is only a year older than me was going to Hutchinson community college here in Kansas. Um, not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but it's a Juco. Um, and he was playing football. So he was already in college. And I know that I knew at the time that having two kids at college would be a lot. <laughs> so I was like, and I knew that my marks were good. We had had a lot of conversations and we're really, um, we're really researching everything to know exactly where I stood um, as it came to the javelin. So we knew when it came for coaches to start offering scholarships. Um, I know towards the end, I actually got, a full ride and um, I had a couple of coaches bidding on me. So um, <laughs> that was a fun process, but I just wanted to make sure that I went to college and if I could get a full ride, that's what we were going for. But I really just wanted to make sure that I could get as much out of it as possible so that I wouldn't have to put any more strain on anything. I could just enjoy the process. Right. Uh and then the only um, other thing I was going to ask now, because obviously, like, you, you know, you made the late switch to to Javelin. Did you ever like second guess, like if it was the right decision? Like, did you ever think like, you know, like you you did all these other sports for so many years or like, did you just know right away that like this is your future? I mean, now that you asked that, I never second guessed it. I guess um, <laughs> we used to practice at Minnesota. We used to practice um, at the indoor football field on the turf in the winter because you know winters are horrible there and yeah. um the softball and baseball team would be practicing and I'm like dang I miss hitting off the tee or I miss you know throwing the ball around so I mean there's times where I was like oh I miss this but I knew like I never I never looked back or second guessed mm -hmm. the whole javelin thing just because I had started it so late and the first year, my junior year, I went to the Junior Olympics in Baltimore and won that. And then I came back my senior year and won a state title. Um, so I was like, I guess this is it. Let's see what we can do. 
Yeah, it just started. You just started out like just balling. So that's yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that that I mean that's easy to see. Yeah, I'm on the right path when when mm -hmm. I just come out and just win everything. Um, so when you get to Minnesota and you have some success, like and we're gonna talk a little bit, I mean, about your college career because you're multiple time all Big Ten, all American, two time Big Ten champ. Um, so like what was was there pressure in each year to get better with that? And then I think when in 16, you made, you qualified for the Olympic trials. So talk a little bit about that. Like what was, what was your mentality going into each year? Um, did you have any other coaching changes the whole time there? Or was, did you stay with the same coach? So for my throws coach, I had him my entire time. I was actually his first um, recruiting class that he coached all the way through at the University of Minnesota. Um, and he was great. He's very enthusiastic. I'm still really close with him now. Um, and he really just was always into learning more and learning more and very exciting and just brought a good energy to practice um, and the atmosphere to our team. He, he implemented a really good culture um, with our throws crew. And um, that was, I mean, that was what kept me going really. Um, so my freshman and sophomore year as a new incoming student athlete, you think about how you're ready to just like, I don't know if kiss ass is the right phrase, but you want to make like a good, um, impression. a good impression. You want to make yeah. sure that you're reliable and that the coaches look to you to be a leader. And, um, now that I look back on that, I'm just, I feel like I'm a natural leader. So I really didn't have to try as hard as I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was also young and still learning a lot of things at that time. So I um, was really just excited and had a lot of energy towards the training and getting better, even though we had to take my technique down to like the basics. Um, so I think when I was in high school, my senior year, I was throwing the same my freshman year in college, um, just because we had to break me down so much and fix a few things. Because um, I'm short and stocky, really strong. I was used to just like cranking the javelin and we knew it could go further. So that was the first two years. And then, oh, junior and senior year. Uh, I'll say junior year was like the year things started to get shaky for me. Although I was performing well, like I started to kind of um, evolve as a person and was growing into things and dealing with other things outside of track. Um, so I started to kind of be in like a depressed state, you know, like when you're going downhill into that, but I was putting mm -hmm. on a good show. Um, so like my performance was amazing, but I didn't get to enjoy any of that. So that happened, um, in my junior year, went to the Olympic trials. I was excited, but I was not excited as I probably should have been or could have been. Um, PR'd, I was the only person who PR'd at the Olympic trials that year. And I did it two times um, at the finals. So it was really exciting. Just missed the team. I came in fifth place, um, which mm. made me hungry for 2021, obviously or 20, right. yeah, 2020, 2021, whatever. Um, I was really excited and hungry for that after 2016 ended. And then we moved into my senior year where <laughs> I redshirted. Um, 
And then senior year, it was really where I kind of hit a brick wall. Um, I wouldn't say I hit rock bottom just yet, but I kind of was at a standstill. I ended up, um, the coaches wanted me to stay back with a couple more of my classmates that I came in with to help the team win Big Tens my fifth year. And I ended up, um, I was dealing with some injuries in my hips while I messed up. So I ended up having double hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yes, wow. you, can, you know what comes with being injured, like you're um, separated from the team, very isolated. You're doing everything yeah. on your own. So that is where everything started to hit the fan. And I stuck it out. Fifth year came out, um, was on the verge of, or I hit a couple PRs, was on the verge of breaking the all-time um, record at Minnesota and was doing really, really well, was struggling with some shoulder issues and then went to nationals. And um, I think I threw my shoulder out on like my second throw. So, <laughs> um, <Wow. laughs> I mean, I'm wow. still in there and like, uh, my junior year I was a big 10 champ and then um, my fifth year I was a big 10 champ individually my fifth year we won indoors and outdoors so altogether mm. I think that's what five five big tens but two individual so it was a roller coaster that's for sure after the first two years after I came down off that high I was like uh, okay <laughs> let's just try yeah. to keep our head above water <laughs> Oh, right. No, for sure. And that, that's crazy. So like, and, and you, you touched on a lot of stuff that we're going to, I want to ask questions on. So like, but this is something that people don't really realize is that mm-hmm. even though you may have some success and then you may be PR and, and, and blowing competition out the water, you're still dealing, you're still a person, right? Mm-hmm. So you're still dealing with stuff internally that, that you may be masked. And then you know, say you qualified for the Olympic trials and you didn't even get to enjoy it like you should because you was dealing with some stuff. And then like, it's just, it blows my mind how much like people really don't understand what athletes go through, right? And mm-hmm. then you got hurt and they don't understand like when you're hurt, you're truly isolated. Like, mm-hmm. like you're not, you're not practicing like that you maybe show up to practice and walk around but you're you're isolated from the team so that messes with you mentally as well because Mm -hmm. now everything you know is kind of you're separated from it so can you talk a little bit about like about that like what was that mentally like for you oh wow um Tough question. Sorry. I know. I know. No, no, no. That's, that's, okay. that's a tough one. You you take yeah. it however you want. Like, you don't have to answer. You I just, I always ask questions that's like, you can go a lot of different ways with it. Yeah, <laughs> no. I got you. I got you, though. Um, so that, that process right there was um, so eye-opening to me. And I just, I always look back on it because I'm a big journaler and like reflector. So I look back on like how far I've come and just to know what the state I was in, like mentally and physically, like my body was drained. I was burned out. Um, and it was just, you know, injury after injury and you fight back from that. But when you're injured, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't understand the isolation, like you touched on, but also you're not only um like fighting for your spot back like there's a whole team that 
like roster numbers are huge in college. I think our track team um, for just the women was like around 70 or 80. And only like, I can't remember how much of us, I think outdoors only 34 could compete. So we took a few extra alternate or alternates and then coaches and that was it. So out of that entire team, you're fighting for your spot, but you're also like fighting to make the, to stay on the team really, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of isolation. Um, whenever your teammates are practicing or lifting, you're in the training room all day long. So yeah, there's a lot of isolation. Um, I know I was really sad. I became very depressed. I know I stopped. Um, I was supposed to be in the pool and I'm outing myself right now because I'm not going to get punished for it now, but um, (laughs) I was supposed to be going to the pool like once or twice a week to relearn how to walk and relearn um, just kind of like reeducate my muscles and everything. And I started to skip that because I was like, what's the point? Like if I figure out how to walk, I'm not going to be able to compete this year. And I really wasn't, I was just so focused on what was happening then that I didn't even really get to I didn't think of like the bigger picture, like, okay, next year's coming up. So you need to really focus on this. Um, yeah, it was a really rough time. But yeah, but it's wow. tough mentally. Like, you know, like when something seems so far away, it's like, you know, I broke my wrist one year, I had to have surgery and it was at a point in the season where no matter what, like I was missing the rest of the season. So it's like, in my mind, like, what, like I'm not playing football again for nine months. Like this is pointless, like, you Mm -hmm. know? And um, yeah, like it can really like absolutely like destroy you mentally at times. Cause like you guys said, like you're watching people practice and you're watching everybody else perform in the games. And it's like, you almost get like jealous at times because you're seeing people taking your spot and then you got to start thinking about am I going to lose my job am I going to be the same athlete when I come back and -hmm. all those things can seriously overload your brain Mm -hmm. yes and then it it just overflowed into every other aspect of my life too I was like I'm never going to come back there's a huge um there's a huge mental aspect of just the fear of re-injuring yourself too yep um So, you know, every time I would do something in rehab that would kind of tweak my hip, I was like, oh my God, like I'm not healing what's going on. So you start like freaking out because you're already on edge about everything else that's going on. Um, But there's that fear of, am I going to come back good or as good as I was, or am I going to be better than I was, or am I going to be worse than I was, you know, than I was when I was hurt? Like, did I really even need to get surgery? Um, I was in a lot of pain. So I was like, there, I can't go down from here, you know? (laughs) And so, um, I had to, and I got surgery in November and January in Minnesota. So I had to get like spikes for my crutches and everything. Like I got transportation to and from classes, tried not to slip a few times. Um, it was a lot on my plate. It just, I don't know how um, well thought through it was, but yeah, there was just, as you guys probably know from injuries, just that aspect of the fear of coming back to like, and not wanting to bring what you're going through mentally into your healthy, your quote unquote healthy 
um, beginning again, that was Mm -hmm. also weighing heavy on me too. I was like, I don't, I know something's wrong with me or something's up with me. I'm not the same. Um, but I don't want to bring that into this team where everybody seems to be working really well together. Um, we're successful. So that's all that matters. Right. Um, and you know, my coaches are like, you kind of fall off their radar too. So I'm still having to lead, but I can only lead like verbally. I can't really show the athletes or my teammates what I'm about. Like I can't really back it up because I'm not able to do the actual physical activity to show them that I can, that I'm not just talk. There was just, Oh, there was so much during that time. <laughs> I hope no, I answered your question. <laughs> no, you, you did. And I mean, it's, it's, it's so much. And then people like you touched on a lot, but then you still have schoolwork. So like, yes. you know yes. what I mean? like, like, so, so they, they don't really understand like everything you touched on. That's a lot for just a, any person to deal with. And then to throw on top. Okay. Now you still got to pass your classes. Mm-hmm. Now you have this expectation of, of qualifying and being this great athlete qualifying for the Olympics. So you have that pressure and then you're right. You have to come back. You got to be a leader on a team, but you're slow. Like, it's almost like you forgot about a little bit because the coaches got to move on. They got to, mm-hmm. you know, they got to coach the next person, next man up. I remember in practice one day um, and somebody got hurt and we just moved the ball. We just moved like the whole practice 10 yards down and continued to practice while the person was still. And it, it just, it blew my mind mm-hmm. because I'm like, wow, like it's really like that quick. Like you can mm-hmm. do something so great. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, Next person in, they, they will talk to you later. But as 19, 20 years old, you can't mentally like deal with all that. So like, how did you kind of fight your way through that to come back, have a, a great senior year, and then kind of think about the Olympics, you know, 2020 Olympics? Um, honestly, I'm not even sure how I did it. <laughs> I just made sure I woke up every day. Um. I was super isolated. So I was fighting a lot of demons on my own. Um, I really didn't do anything spectacular. I tried to see sports psych. And during that time, I felt like I needed more assistance on like just the general mental side rather than how to be the best at my sport. Um, So I didn't feel like that helped me. If I went, I felt like if I went to my coaches that it was, kind of like a, okay, kind of suck it up. We have titles to win. We have championships to win. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't competing. I wasn't getting my points. I also, um, don't really necessarily know if I was a favorite of theirs. Um, especially in my junior year, when I started to kind of really see things clearly, um, I, I fell back from a lot of things that I was really up in front, up in the front about, um, and excited about my first two years. So, they were like, you changed and you're not the same person. I'm like, duh, I'm a young woman who's maturing and trying to figure out who I am. Also going through school away from home, going through injuries and relationships and dealing with ignorant people on a daily basis. So of course, (laughs) you know, of course you're going to change, right? Of course you're going to be transforming. Duh. Um, (laughs) so there was just there was so much going on and I felt like every time I was getting better in one area another area was kind of falling apart for me um I will give 
some credit to the guy I was dating at the time. I felt like whenever I was going through things that he was there, um, you know, for me when I was kind of like starting to like spiral down into some things. Um, but then I would say like my senior year, things really got rocky with that too. So I really was just making sure I woke up every day. I, um, I know in your guys's experience, you talked about like, um, kind of like addiction and everything. I really didn't, um, my, I have a history in my family with everybody, whether it's, um, them being addicted to alcohol or drugs. So I really have a trauma with that. And I have really tried to stay away from all that. So that wasn't even an option for me. So it was just isolation, 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 and faking it till I made it, faking it till I was done, um, you know, working my ass off to come back to be a good leader. Um, but also, you know, no one really knew what I did when I went home and I, you know, got my homework done, fell asleep, didn't really hang out with anybody. I stopped going out hanging out with my teammates and really was just focused on schooling and making it through and graduating. I can't tell you how many times I called my mom and I was like, mom, I hate it. I'm going through it. She's like, sis, it's okay. Just, just all you gotta do is get through it. Just keep your head on and keep pushing. So, and that's another thing with sports too is, or in the, the image of sport is we're not allowed to feel things so when we are injured, like we pack things down and we act like we're okay. And then we end up injuring ourselves more. Same thing I feel like is for the mental side of things. Like when we're not doing well, we're just going to put on a mask because there are so many other things that are on the line for us that we're afraid of losing. No, for sure. and that's something like Josh and I have talked about, you know, multiple times. Um, yeah. There's just like no room, you know, like there's just, business, 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 um, mm-hmm. here to perform at your best. And, you know, if you're down mentally, then that means you're not going to perform at your best. Um, but did, did like teammates and coaches like start to like take notice, like that you're actually struggling with more of like depression than anything and stuff like that. Like, like, do you like looking back on it, like, do you almost wish your mom would have said something else other than just keep pushing? Was there something different she could have done? Like what, what, I don't know. Like, what do you think could have helped you more in that place or in that time? Um, I don't think that anybody really knew. I just think that everybody's response was kind of like, what's wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of I'm reading this book by Oprah Winfrey right now and Dr. Perry, it's called what happened to you. So they're kind of looking at everybody's story and helping use that to figure out like what's going on in someone's life. So that's where my head just went with that. Um, But they were just always asking like, what's wrong with you? And for me, I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. I can't narrow it down for you. I don't even have time to sit down and think about it to even let you know what the possibilities are that it could be. Um, My mom, she, I feel like she did the best that she could um, with as far as the way she was, but she really held it down for me when I came home after college. Um, You know, I didn't necessarily want to come back, but that was the best move for me. And I do not regret it at all. But when I was in it, I just know one person knew what I was going through and that was my best friend. 
um, who I had met working and recruiting and go for football. And we're so close that we know when something's up. So she was just, she was just riding with me through it. Um, checking on me, just a real support system away from home because I didn't want to be a burden to everybody either. I didn't want to be like, Hey, something's up with me because then I'm just not like that. I feel like I take care of other people. I didn't want someone to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't want to be a burden that in that aspect, but I probably should have said more. <laughs> yeah. I, I think sometimes though, like, like I've even said it with my depression, like sometimes like there's no words that's actually going to fix it. Like mm-hmm. it's just somebody understanding me, you know, and just yeah. somebody like saying like, Hey, like I get it. And like, like that is sometimes just enough for me. Like just that someone's in it with me. I'm not alone. And like, all right, like, let's get back to work. Let's figure this out, you know? Right. And I'm pretty sure I became like addicted to that pain, that hurt that I was feeling, the darkness that I was feeling because I was so used to it. By the time I graduated, I mean, that was three years. So my junior year, my senior year and my fifth year, like that was three years I had been living that life, you know, and doing the same thing. So I, I'm pretty sure at that point, it was just second nature to me to put on this mask and act like everything was fine. And when it really wasn't, (laughs) so it uh, came back at me in full swing. (laughs) No, you, you literally start to forget what normal feels like. Like Mm -hmm. I went through this phase when I was done with football of like, I don't even remember what I felt like when I was 17 or 18 anymore. And it's like, I know I'm a different person right. now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember what like happiness felt like. And I don't remember what right. being normal felt like. And like, you like, it's almost like you, you, you feel like there's like this mindset that you're supposed to get back to, but you also feel like it's so far gone that you don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it felt, it, for me, it felt like when I was going through mine, I, I did a little bit afterwards. Um, but for me, it felt like, uh, like I couldn't talk to people because I felt like they would not. It's not that they wouldn't understand, but it was like, you played Division One football. Why are you depressed? You know what right. I mean? Like, like it was like that. Mm-hmm. It was like what you have no reason to be like. So you live in everybody else's dream, so to say. But then it's like, so why are you depressed? And then so for me, it was like if I talk, they wouldn't even understand or they wouldn't begin to understand. But a lot of times I don't think they would even like care. And then that would put me down into an even deeper hole because now I'm like, now I'm just burdening everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you, you, you graduate, you come home, you go back to Arc City. Um, what, what happened then? So you got home, was you still trying out for track? Were you still going to meets? Were you still competing? Or did you kind of just know it's time to hang it up and like, you know, I'm done? Um, <laughs> so when I first came back, I was still kind of in that, um, that robotic phase where I was still going through the motions and I would interact with everybody back here it's a very small town um we only have like one middle school one high school a couple of elementary so everyone's pretty known in town especially if you've been an athlete and a successful or a successful one too and um so anybody I interacted with was, oh my god you just missed the Olympic trials are you gonna try again and I'm like oh oh yeah I'm gonna be there I'm gonna be there in a couple of years I'll be there just watch and they're like okay I'm rooting for you so um 
I said that I can't remember how many times I've said that since I've been back. And now I actually believe that that's something um, that's a dream. And I, I want to give it another try just because that's a talent I was blessed with. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm in a completely different, different mental state and I can handle it now. Um, And my fitness is is the best it's ever been. And just my entire being is where it needs to be for this. So I'm going to pursue it now. And I actually have some substance behind the, yeah, I'm going to try it again. Um, But when I first came back three years ago, it was just a, I don't want to let people down. I have to say this. Um, I had some coaches I was working with and I feel like I let them down because I wanted so badly to continue pursuing this Olympic dream. Um, but I knew deep down that I wasn't in a spot mentally that I needed to be Mm -hmm. in to be able to take that on, um, with all the training. And so when I first moved back, thankfully, um, my mom let me come back. (laughs) (laughs) I give her crap for all that all the time, but, um, she let me come back and she just let me fall off the radar. Like her and my grandparents, um, we have a really close knit, um, bond and group and they just let me fall off. Like if someone asked about me, they're like, Oh, she's doing good. They just kept it sweet and simple. Um, and I, I think for the first couple months, I was really, really, really depressed um, because you go from going from a small town to a big city to a small town again, on top of that, your mental's not there. You feel like you failed because you moved back home, especially mm-hmm. back home with your mom, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. back to your hometown. Um, you don't know what you want to do. You got a bachelor's and a master's and are not using them. Um, mm-hmm. so you're injured. You're you're still not a hundred to go out and throw a javelin, um, which is what you've been doing the last eight years. Um, so I just had a lot on my plate and, and thankfully my mom was a rock star and just let me, just let me be. Um, there was a lot of days where I just laid in bed. I stayed in the house. I didn't want to be seen. Um, and then one day I was just like, I need to go see a therapist. And, um, I see this really quirky, like older lady, she's a rock star. I love her so much. And she just, um, I've just been seeing her ever since for like the last three years. But I know when we first started, she would ask me like, okay, what was your part in this? I'm like, what you talking about? What was my part? I had nothing to do with that. I was like, that was all them. Cause I was blaming it on a lot of people. Um, so she worked really, really, she was really patient with me and just helped me kind of flip the situations and see like my part and everything that was happening and how depressed I was and how I didn't let anybody know and the way I was thinking about things and you know my childhood trauma and how that was creeping up on me how I had abandonment issues and I was um you know I was trying to do better than what I grew up with and didn't want to be alone so I was holding on to a relationship that I probably should have let go of you know, a long time ago. And I was just really beating myself up just very hard. My perfectionism would not let me fail. Um, and that's something that we learn at a young age as an athlete too, you know, they teach us that, um, it's kind of engraved in us, but, um, (laughs) so I was dealing with all of that, but, um, as I started working with my therapist, she really helped me change my perspective and, and see things a lot differently. And, um, 
Josh, you kind of, your example of Harriet Tubman was like the best. Um, How she had, yes, and how she had to help herself before she could help other people. And that is exactly um, what my therapist had said a couple of years ago, because she was like, you naturally just give to others and you want to be there for others. And you're such an empath. Like if someone's hurting, I literally can feel their pain. So she's like, you want to be there for people. Quality time is your love language. So you just really enjoy other people, but you cannot do that when you're fighting all these other things, when you're balancing all these other things on your plate. So you need to figure out how to clear your plate, pick up so many things at a time so that you can still give to others. So basically like you need to learn how to fill your cup so you can pour over into others. Yeah, I think, yeah, I it's think been a journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and, and that, you hear that a lot with, with athletes, especially ones who are, who are any type of successful and they come from any, like a smallish town, you, you have a lot of pressure and you feel like you owe a lot of people for helping you, for supporting you. Uh, yes. even if you just don't want to let them down. Right. Um, but the whole time you're slowly losing or not even developing your identity as a person. And so a lot of times you become, you know, Nicole, the athlete and not Nicole, the person. And then mm-hmm. at a certain point that the athletic part mentally stops and you have to deal with who you are as a person and we're not coached to do that right like mm-hmm. like we're not we're, nobody's here to tell us how to deal with ourselves when we're the only ones who have to mm-hmm. deal with us right so mm-hmm. um that's amazing that that you kind of and 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 I'm we're rooting for you hopefully you know you can come back and you you kill it in in every competition you so so what's what's next then so What's next for you? Um, kind of what are you doing now? Well, talk about a little about what you're doing now and then what's next. Um, so right now I am um, working at Cali College, which is where we met. And I am an admissions representative there. But I also serve as um, a co-sponsor for the Diverse Tigers Club, which is a club that we're trying to um, revamp at Cali, which it's very needed in our area. Um, And then I also serve on the student success team. So I make sure that students um, feel comfortable and kind of just work side by side with them to make sure that they're or help them be as successful as possible at Cali. I'm still working out on my own. And let me ask you guys a question. Um, Whenever you guys were done with sports, was it hard to kind of like retrain your mind and your thought process on like how to work out? And how to eat? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. that stuff is hard. Oh man, uh, Noose, you go I, ahead, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what a weight room looks like anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh man, holy! What you really put me on the spot. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, last time I picked up a weight whew, six years ago, maybe. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, um, I never retrained myself. Uh, I don't know, football, yeah, it just made me hate working out. Uh, it did like I almost I get anxiety when I go in the gym. Um, as, as crazy as it sounds, uh, all jokes aside, um, 
just wasn't like, you know, like I had all these injuries and like, like they wouldn't cater workouts to me and workout working out was just so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, you know, I just like literally like, I know it's being dramatic, but it, like I literally get like a anxiety feeling when I like literally even think about working out. It's not dramatic um, at all. <laughs> yeah. And I feel it. <laughs> for, yeah. For me, it was like when I first got home, I worked out all the time. I worked out three times a day because mm-hmm. I just, I, that's all I knew. And so, and, and I had to, you know, you like, you just programmed and I was programmed to do this. And then one day I realized, I was like, well, I, I was always working out to get something, right? So it was like working out in the summertime so you can be better uh, for the fall. You know, you're always working out for some objective in mind and an outcome. And then once that was gone, I was like, well, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? So then it was like, I stopped working out because I felt like I didn't have to. And then, but I was still eating the same. So Mm -hmm. then like I started gaining weight. (laughs) So then I started gaining weight and I'm back in my hometown. So now my like insecurities are up because now I'm like, I'm depressed. I'm gaining weight. I'm not working out. I don't know who I am. I'm not recognizing the guy in the mirror. So then like, I just completely shut down. So I completely get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely get it. I've had to work on that too. And uh, thankfully I'm in a spot where I got it under control now. So um, like I was saying earlier, I feel like I'm just in a completely different space all around and I'm ready to pursue that dream of being an Olympian again. So um, yeah, this year I'll start competing um probably next spring and summer in some local meets and see where that takes me uh, that, um, that's awesome uh, speaking of food we all we, we always like to ask so since we're on the topic okay. um, what is your favorite dish oh my gosh i'll eat anything like okay. oh my gosh yeah you put me on the spot now um that's right i like <laughs> I like, um, oh man, I probably have to say like poke bowls. Who? It's like what? a sushi bowl. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's called a. I think it's called a poke bowl. No, it's, I yeah, I've, um, heard, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. I'm just yeah, it's a sushi bowl. It's. I like seafood. Just. Okay. That's I could eat that all day long if I could. Nice, I like it. That's All just right. one of the choices, but <laughs> for any any particular spot or just anywhere? Really anywhere. I I'll, I don't know. We don't really like. I live in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the United States. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, you a lot of people say what they want about sushi in Kansas. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but all you it's, got. it's the best we can do okay that's right you <laughs> so, so whenever you send me some sushi in the mail then we could talk but until then <laughs> just keep your mouth quiet and mind your business so right. <laughs> um yeah just i like seafood in general that's why i'm like um i was hoping actually to move this fall and um i really wanted to move back up to minneapolis and start training and whatnot but um i had to stay back here for some family stuff um, so I'm just trying to make the most of it, but one of these days I'll be living by the water so I can get fresh seafood every day. 
There you go. Love and that. hopefully my bank account supports it. So it supports it. No, that's that's great. Um, thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing. Um, if there, do you have? What would you say, or do you have any advice for any younger athletes who might be kind of going through or be in a mental state that you were in? Like, what would you say to those athletes? Mm. I would let, oh, I would tell them to let someone know what you're going through. Um, I know people always say like, seek help, um, which I would like to say that, but you know, there's, everybody has their own perspective and their own feelings towards therapy, but just let someone know what you're going through because you don't know who might going who might be going through like something similar um that could that you could just bounce ideas off of or talk to or someone who could just look out for you because I do not wish what I went through on anybody um so that's really what I want to do is just help if I can help anybody on that journey and make it a little bit easier for them I will do everything that I can um yeah just just let someone know what you're going through yeah no for sure we talk about it all the time uh yeah don't don't suffer in silence you know you're, you're not alone uh just open up and, and talk to somebody um you know for sure mm-hmm. yeah well thank you thank you for for joining us nicole um where can people find you and we'll put your 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 um username and tags and stuff in our post but where can people find you what's your instagram and and all that my instagram is at cheer nicole and that is a name from when i was in high school and i was in cheer so i never <laughs> changed it so um cheer and then my name is but nobody no, no one's judging. Actually, Nobody my mom know. said something about that one time. She's like, are you going to change your name? I said, no, because <laughs> it's just there now. Like, it's just my name. Um, right. But it's N-I-C-O-L-L-E. Yeah. Got two L's. Yeah. And then yes, yes. I already talked to Josh about this, but I'm working on a book. It's super in the beginning stages, but it's going to be kind of focused towards like identity and going through that process as well that we've been talking about. So hopefully some student athletes or anybody really will read it and be able to relate to it so well definitely keep us posted on that let us know as it's coming along we definitely i mean i know josh and i will definitely love to check it out um yes so but yeah thank you so much nicole truly appreciate your time uh you taking the time to share your story um as always thank you guys for listening in remember you can Find us to stay up to date on all of our podcast releases on our Instagram page at no underscore bull underscore podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Josh. Thank you, my friend, as always. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thank you. See y'all. Bye.